Have you ever uh, been disappointed when someone ends up not being who you thought they were? Right? Uh, yeah, there's a chuckle in the back, right? It's, that happens a lot where uh, we, we have this idea of how someone is and we kind of imagine them a certain way and then you you've, the circumstances come together and you actually get to meet that person and then they're not who you thought they were, all right? Uh, some would call that marriage. That's what happens, all right? You're kind of dating, uh, and you're always putting that best foot forward and kind of everything like that, and then you get married, and all of a sudden, like, this is not who I thought you were type thing. It's like, and they're thinking the exact same thing. Like, you're not who I thought you were, and they're, you know, but I'm thinking more like celebrities and stuff like that, you know, and there's times that you kind of get to meet those people either at, like, the airport at times or you go to a certain town, I mean, uh, and you meet them. There was one instance where I was at a conference, and uh, they had a very well-known uh, worship artist. I am not going to mention his name, uh, but uh, he was at his table at his booth type thing, and so I came up, and I was like, hey, I really like your music, and I appreciate, you know, your the impact that it's had and, and the depth of it and all this kind of stuff. I'm trying to, like, engage him, right, and just, like, not taking a lot of his time, but just saying, hey, thank you type thing, and his response was, you want to buy a CD? Literally, that was his quote. I was like, oh, and I walked away. I was like, so disappointed. Like, and here's the thing is, I get there's different personality types, all right, and musicians are a genre of their own uh, type thing, uh, but it just kind of was disappointing, right? Here's this guy that he has very rich, and his music is played everywhere. Uh, he's very well known, and I was like, that's really your going to be response instead of like, oh, thank you. It's like, hey, you going to buy a CD? Like, I already own them for one, but then two, it's like, come on, right? Compared to another time uh, at church that we were at, we had Casting Crowns come and do a concert type thing. I am going to mention their name. All right. Uh, and and, and they, I love Casting Crowns. Their music is great and they're, they're not just the fluff, like they get sometimes the nitty-gritty and some of their, their lyrics are very impactful and deep. And at the end of the concert, I had gone there, even though I was on staff at the church, I had to volunteer some type of service to get into the concert free. Figure that one out. So I was like, I'll help with teardown, right? I'll do that. So we're starting, the concert's over, we're starting to tear down, and all of a sudden one of the security guys comes up and says, hey, we need someone that can fit seven people to take Casting Crowns back to the hotel. Does anybody have uh, a car or something that could fit seven people? And I'm like, at, at the time, like we had this little crossover SUV type thing, that, and it was just Kyler. That's the, he was our only child at that time. And I was like, actually, I do. And they're like, okay, go get it ready and then pull it around back. And then when you're ready, we'll bring the band out to you type thing. I was like, okay. And so I go out there. I'm ripping out Kyler's car seat. There's Cheerios and trash everywhere because I didn't know I was going to be taking casting crowns to their hotel. So I am like taking it and I'm just shoving it out on the parking lot type thing. I'll like, I'll pick all this up later, which I never did. I was just, I just was like, all right, well, I just got to clear the space out and all this kind of stuff. And I rush over there and I'm like, all right, I'm ready. And they come out and the casting crowns got into our car type thing. And they're like cramming in there because it's not like a big expedition. It was like a little thing. So they're like crammed in the back and all this kind of stuff. And, and I, I just said, I was like, guys, I'm so sorry for the mess and the Cheerios. Like, I didn't know I was going to be taking you guys or else I probably would have cleaned this a little bit better. And the lead singer, he goes, dude, 
you don't know how at home I feel right now sitting on a Cheerio. And I was like, all right, you guys are legit, you know. And that, that, that's always reassuring, right, uh, that we sometimes have these ideas of who people are, and then when we actually meet them, we're sometimes either disappointed or uh, we're like, oh, you are who I thought you were, right? So, but what's the difference there? What was so off-putting about the one musician and what was so attractive about casting crowns? It really comes down to this word authenticity, right? That they are authentic. And if we are going to be immovable, which is what we're looking at in 2 Timothy, then we need to make sure that we are being authentic and real with ourselves. Because fakeness that a lot of times we kind of fall into is giving this perception of who we really are, which fakeness is a lie. And lies, when pressure is put upon it, crumbles. Whereas being authentic is truth. It's being true that you're, you, who you are in private is who you are in public, right? And the truth remains immovable no matter what kind of pressure comes upon it. And it's the pressure that helps actually real, uh, bring to light who the person really is. So, in our passage today, Paul gives an exhortation on re- the remaining immovable today and gives us an example of what it looks like and how to remain immovable. And at the center of all this is this whole idea of being authentic. Because the end result should be is someone who is authentic is immovable. All right? So let's read our passage, and then we're going to go back through it uh, verse by verse. Because it's even though it's only two verses, there's a lot of depth and truth in this. So 2 Timothy 1.13 says, Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who get, lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been trusted to you. Uh, so let's go back, verse 13, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching. All right, this whole idea of wholesome teaching is this, uh, it's actually the word healthy or strong, all right? It's the, the teaching isn't just about uh, this one thing while the rest of your life is crumbling. It's when you're applying this wholesome teaching, it actually it accompanies everything. It, it involves your thinking, your heart, your desires, your actions. And if those that put it into practice, they end up living a healthier and stronger life. And we've already gone through that in like 1 Timothy, looking at the false teachers and the, the corruption and immorality that was coming out of their lives. And Paul's saying, listen, you got to hold on to this wholesome teaching that you learned from him. All right? And, and this represents its purity and how it brings about this health-producing elements. That if we put God's principles into, into practice, it pays off in the long run. It's always for the betterment. Even there are certain principles that are reserved for those that are Christians, but there's a lot of it, like the book of Proverbs, it's really, it's, it's true for all. And so those that will put into practice some of the principles and teachings, it's good for them. It's, it's, it's better for them. And science, as we kind of continue, uh, it, it catches up with what God actually says is true. The, and here's the thing. The more we obey God, the more we realize that he's right. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it's right. And the more that we obey him and we, and we develop that character, and it's not just when we're out amongst everybody else, that can sometimes be easy to do then, but it's more when we're by ourselves, right? When no one else is looking, that's when it really becomes true. 
when we're sitting there and the thoughts start going through our head and we start spiraling down into the darkness type thing of being able to realize, hey, no, I'm going to claim God's truth. This is who God says, and I'm going to live my life on this, and I'm not going to listen to these lies. But what is this pattern that he says? Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching. All right. So we've looked at wholesome teaching, but what is the pattern of this? What is he talking about? And, and he's basically getting at, uh, and he says, the pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. All right. So the pattern of wholesome teaching, there's a wholesome teaching, but then there is a pattern there, and it comes out of Jesus, looking at him, and it's shaped by our faith and love that we have in Jesus. It's, that's what drives us, that's what we follow, and it all comes back to Jesus, all right? And it, what he's saying is that the message is to have a practical effect on the life of the bearer, that those of us that claim to be Christians, when we're saying that, then it should have an effect on our life. And, and we should be able to look at others that claim that and saying, all right, does what you stand for, do we see that in your life? It shouldn't make a difference. But he says here that Jesus is the one we pattern our lives after, right? And then we kind of infer this from all of Scripture, that that's who we pattern our lives after. And Paul is, is pointing at this, and we're going to get into that a little bit more. But he's saying the message bearer, Timothy, and the rest of us must reflect a genuine, balanced relationship with Christ. What does that look like? What was Jesus' pattern? Well, in John 1.17, we kind of get this idea, all right? It says that Jesus... Was he lived by grace and truth? That that's what kept him balanced is grace and truth. What grace? Grace is the undeserved favor of when good things happen. You're like, I don't deserve that. You're right. You don't. That's God's grace. I don't deserve God to love me. You're right. That's grace. I don't deserve for God to forgive me. You're right. That's grace. It's this undeserved favor. And listen, we like, the world likes grace, right? Sweet. I love this. This is all grace, love, peace, happiness. We love that. That's, all right, sweet. But then he balances it with truth. And truth is saying what needs to be said for true healing. It means that sometimes you're going to have to have that tough love of being able to say, hey, listen, you're off on this, right? That you're, you're, you're missing the point. And it's calling it out. And, and it's holding that standard of, hey, this is the standard. And we're not going to waver on that because this is the truth. It's, it would be like you go into a doctor. Do you want the doctor to give you grace or truth? Right? You go in and do you want them to say, hey, everything's peachy keen. You're totally fine. You're a specimen of health. And completely ignore the fact that your blood cholesterol is through the roof, uh, you've got diabetes, and, and then there's a big cancer growing within you. Do you. Or would you rather be told the truth like, hey, listen, unless you can completely change your lifestyle and, and we deal with this, you're going to die within like six days. Is that When we come to that, we need to have the truth, right, so that we can live accurate lives and we're not going to be deceived. And so Jesus, as we look at his life, look at it. He lived by grace and truth. Who was Jesus surrounded by? Sinners, right. Even those that didn't think that they were sinners were sinners, right? That's all God has to work with on this earth is sinners. We're all sinners. But Jesus wasn't hanging out with the religious leaders and the 
elite, all right? He was, uh, uh, the religious leaders actually said, why does he hang around with such scum, all right? He had this grace about him that attracted people to him, but at the same time, he held to the truth. They knew what Jesus stood for. They had heard his teachings. They knew what he was calling for, and yet they still were attracted to him because he was authentic. He was real. And, and this is important. The, the Being authentic and real and holding this balance of both grace and truth is so important because it makes us authentic, that we're going to show grace to others, show grace uh, that as God shows us grace. At the same time, we're going to live by the truth. We're going to pursue the truth. And no matter the cost, even when it's hard and it hurts, we're going to pursue the truth knowing that in doing so, there's grace. And it's, coming to that authentic is, is this idea of a clear conscience, right? If we're living by grace and truth and we're balancing our lives, we're following Jesus, we're going to find ourselves being authentic and we're going to have a clear conscience before God right? Uh, hey, I know I'm in walking with you, God. I'm right where I need to be. I'm good. And when you have that internal peace, there isn't this conflict going within you of like, because uh, let's be honest, we know when we're out of step, right? We know our conscience starts uh, like bothering us. And then we start, uh, this torment within starts happening because we realize that we aren't being authentic. We aren't being real. We're not following the pattern of Jesus. We're not pursuing him like we should, and so we're living this double life, and there's this constant anxiety that's belt, that is subconsciously even there of, I'm going to be found out. I'm going to be found to be a fake. I'm, going to, I'm not authentic. But if we can come to this point of accepting, being real with ourselves, that that's what's going on, God gives us that grace and forgiveness and he allows then that peace to come within us of just realizing, okay, God, your grace is sufficient and covers this, and I want to walk with you. And then when we have that internal peace, we can have that calm within the storm. When the hardship comes, it, it, and it's going to come, and we're going through that hard time, if we are being authentic and we're being, we have that clear conscience, we're following Jesus, we're going to have that internal peace, which allows us to have that mental fortitude to actually be immovable. Verse 14 then says, Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. All right, again, we've spent some time on this because you're going to see it. It's already coming back up again that it's all carried out in the reliant, full reliance of the Holy Spirit. The, the, through the Holy Spirit, right? It says, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. The Holy Spirit is the only source of enablement for the Christian life and ministry, right? The Christian life is ministry. And He is the only way that we can actually live this life and to follow this pattern and, and everything. But what is this precious truth that we are needing to protect with the power of the Holy Spirit? And it is the gospel. One, it's the gospel. This precious truth is the gospel message that, yes, we are sinners, we're messed up, but God came down into our world, took on flesh, dwelt within us, suffered with us, bared the same temptations that we did, but never sinned. And he gave us an example to follow, and then he died in our place. He died. He was an authentic, and he died for our, our fakeness. 
He died for all of our lies, for all of our hatred, for all of our deception. He died for all of our sins. And then he rose from the dead. And he's sitting in the throne now, and he's still in complete control, and he offers that forgiveness to us, that we can live that same life empowered by the Spirit, same Spirit that guided Jesus can guide us, and he gives us that freely. He takes our penalty and gives us his righteousness so that we can have that clear conscience, and we can follow him, and we can be the people that he's created us to be. And we need the Holy Spirit to help guard that because that we... The gospel isn't just about our eternity, but it's about every day, that every day we need the Holy Spirit to help us guard that because it can come so easy that we get sidetracked and maybe we water down the gospel or we forget the gospel altogether and we go off other paths. But we need the Holy Spirit to help protect that and enable us to speak the gospel to ourselves every moment of every day for ourselves and for those around us. And he just makes sure that we stay on track and we bear a harvest. I think this, this idea of through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been trusted to you. In and, and thinking about this, how he helps guard the gospel to bear fruit within us, it made me think of the story that Jesus tells in Matthew 13. And it's a familiar one, right? The, the parable of the farmer scattering the seed. And he talks about these different soils. Here's the thing. We always like to consider ourselves better than what we actually are, right? And so we need to be honest, though, with ourselves. I'm going to read the, the parable and then the explanation of it. And be honest with yourselves. What soil is your heart right now? To be authentic and truly real with yourself right now. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on a fertile soil that and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. And then Jesus gives an explanation of what does this actually mean. In verse 18, uh, it says, Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed, now think about this, which, which one is your heart right now? The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on ground, uh, good soil represents those who, hear, who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. And this harvest, again, is this, this whole, uh, holding to the pattern of the wholeness teaching of Scripture, uh, holding to the gospel, and you're pursuing Jesus. That, that is the, and then in your doing that, you're bringing others to know Jesus. 
But what soil is your heart right now? And we need to be authentic and real with this because then we need to ask God, God, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to be. I want to be that good soil. But if I'm truly honest with myself, I'm actually more like this one. And the Holy Spirit will then produce that within us, start that transformation as we lean more and more into that. So which one is it? Is it the the fact that you are just so hard against God that even hearing what He's done for you and the gospel message that you still just can't accept it? And so it never takes root. and Satan just comes and takes that away from you and just says, yeah, you're right, you're not deserving of this. And, and you don't, I'm going to just, God, that applies to everyone else but you. Is that what Satan's doing right now? Is that your heart? Or maybe it's that rocky soil where it's taken root, but when the pressure gets turned up, you crumble. Right? That, and that's the case for a lot of people is that especially the younger generation as they raise up and then they go to college. That's why most of them are falling away type thing. It's that they've been raised on pizza parties and good times and, and all this fluff, and then they get out in the real world, and all of a sudden the rocks come and the persecution turns up, and they wither away. Is that what it is? Is that your heart? Uh, yeah, I know it. I don't know if it's really taken deep root, though. Or this next one is one that, if I'm being honest with myself, is often the one that I have to wrestle with the most. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. If we're really honest with ourselves, I feel like that's a lot of times where we struggle with in the American church type thing. That the thrones will choke out the precious truth entrusted to us if we're not careful. Like Paul talked about, this precious truth that's been entrusted to us, we, gotta, we have to have the Holy Spirit make sure that it doesn't get crowded out. And if we're not careful, these, thrones, these thorns will choke out that precious truth. This whole word actually, worry, you guys have heard this before, but the root word for worry is strangulation. That's where that word, it, that's the root word of worry. And when we worry, here's where I'm talking about, is that being authentic and real, it has consequences, or good consequences, and those that don't, it also is as well. Worry, this is what they say, that if you are constantly worrying and, and you're stressing out about this stuff and you're allowing that strangulation to take place, it, it's very common that people have high blood pressure, heart attacks, stroke, they'll have GI issues, they'll have headaches and migraines, sleep issues, nausea, shortness of breath, shakiness and stomach pain and more. And the more worry and stress, you're even taking years off of your life. And we need the Holy Spirit to protect and kill the worries that are trying to kill us. And so we have to keep that perspective of knowing, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on. And you know what? I can't allow this worry to strangle and kill me. Because I have a God that's in complete control. So I don't need to worry about this stuff. And all the materialism that gets kind of put in front of us that keeps our eyes focused on here and now, no, I know there's something better going on. And that's the other part, this other precious truth that it's talking about. is not just the gospel, but the part of the gospel is the promise of heaven, that we need to keep that perspective. And when you realize that this world is just a, is a pit stop, 
This is not the last stop. This is not our home. There is more coming. It's a lot easier to be immovable. It's a lot easier when all of a sudden you realize, hey, you know what? This is just a blimp on the radar. I can get through this. There's something better coming. I'm going to see Jesus face to face. I'm going, none of this really matters. I don't need this stuff. All I need is Jesus, and I'm going to keep my focus on him. And as you keep your eyes on Jesus and follow him, people will take note that you are the real deal, that you're being authentic, and you have been with Jesus. And it creates this appetite within them that they want to know more. And God uses that to draw others to him. And, and then the thing is, is can we say, can we say that we're immovable? Are, is that where we're drawing to? And when they draw him to us, though, we should be able to say, hey, we're able to be immovable because our lives are built on the rock. That's why, this is why I'm able to, in the midst of this chaos and this storm, that's why I have this peace. Because one, I'm true to myself, I'm, or not true to myself, I'm true to God, and I'm keeping a clear conscience before Him. And I'm modeling my life after Him, and I'm trying to pattern His life of grace and truth and holding this pattern. We need to keep our eyes on Him, just like Peter walking on the water. As we keep our eyes on Him, and instead of the storm raging around us, we'll get through it. And He'll calm the storm within us as we keep our eyes on Him, and, and we will be walking on the water as the storm rages among us. Because if we have peace in here, it doesn't matter what's going on out here. He empowers us to remain faithful in hardship and movable in the storms. But we have to take to heart and hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching that you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus, and through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you.